In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, You who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good and master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Amen. Well, welcome. We are going to go on meditating on the Gospel of John. We are going to do today um, a good part, at least, of chapter 3, which is the visit of uh, Nicodemus to Jesus. Um, Before I start, it might be worth um, uh, reflecting a bit it can make perhaps our uh, our understanding better. Who is Nicodemus? Probably, he's a fellow by the name of Nakdimon Ben Gurion. David Ben Gurion was the first prime minister of, uh, so maybe he's the same family line. But way back, this family was fabulously wealthy. When the siege of Jerusalem began, they said, between us. We have enough to feed the money to buy and to feed the whole city for several months. Imagine what wealth that was, huh? He was, by religious conviction, a Pharisee. You would say today a conservative. Um, they get a bad press in the Gospels, and they deserve it for opposing Jesus. But the movement was a movement began in the exile. Um, the word Pharisee comes from the word meaning separate. They realized that they would have what the Jewish people call today, oh, I forgot, the word just slipped my mind. Um, absorption is not the word they use. But um, there'll be, you know, if, if all the Jews marry Christians and they all have Irish in laws, it won't be long before there's no more Jewish people. So that's what they were afraid of in Babylon. So they said, we have got to get a way of life that comes from the Torah, that will uh, direct every movement of our life. And that's who they were. They were zealous. Sometimes they were hard-hearted and pig-headed, but they didn't have to be. There are some good um, uh, Pharisees. And Nakdimon Ben-Gurion, Nicodemus, was one of them. Now, we know about him from uh, other sources. Huh? When the siege was over and the city had been ruined and all the wealth of that Ben-Gurion family had been stolen, wasted, there was nothing left. Huh? But there's this fa- famous story. It's in um, uh, the Babylonian um, Talmud. It was taught. Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Zadok, said, May I not behold the consolation of Zion if I have not seen the daughter of Nakdimon ben Gurion picking barley grains from among the horses' thieves at Akko. On seeing her plight, he applied this line, You were unwilling to be subject to God. Behold, now you are subjected to the most inferior of the nations. In this case, the Moors, the Arabs. Not this girl but the nation is reduced. The wealthiest, most fervent 
of their number. Their children are now picking out corn from among the dung of the horses. So, we know a bit about this Nakdimon, this Nicodemus, and he was an open man. Uh, for instance, uh, in chapter 7, uh, he comes to the defense of Jesus and says, now we know that we never condemn anybody until they've been heard out. So we don't have the right to be condemning Jesus. Okay? Uh, and then again in chapter 19, he, along with Joseph of Arimathea, are the ones who take the body of Jesus and uh, uh, bury it. So we don't know. It's a, it's a question of history. We're not going to get into it. Um, but there were many disciples, even among the upper class. After the Pentecost, you remember how it says, many of the Pharisees joined. Uh, okay. So, there was a man from among the Pharisees. His name was Nicodemus. That's the Greek form of Nakdimon, A leader of the Jews. He came to him by night and said to him, now, by night doesn't have to mean he was frightened necessarily. Rabbi, and he calls this young fellow from way up north, Hickville, Rabbi. Great respect, right? We know that you have come from God, a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God be with him. He's very open. Jesus answers, I say to you, unless a man be born from above or again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. One of the few places in John where the word kingdom of God comes. Unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. This is going to turn out to be, in the whole chapter, a discourse a lot on baptism and the mysterious power of that right to give people divine life. And so, uh, he tells him, you see, unless someone be born again or from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Now, that sounds impudent, but it's not. That's the Semitic way of arguing. Take the, your interlocutor's statement, push it to an extreme, and force him to explain himself. So, He's not a wise guy, this Nakdimon ben Gurion. Uh, as you see, he stood up for Jesus at the, in, in chapter 7. He risked everything and brought along a hundred pounds of uh, precious ointments and, and uh, spices for the burial. Uh, so he wasn't fully in faith yet, but he was open. Okay. So that's... Um, now, so the, the debate now is, how can I get you to explain yourself? Well, do you mean a man has to go into his mother's womb and be born again? What do you mean? Jesus said, and now Jesus answers him, but the answer is almost as hard as the first statement. You see, amen, amen, I say to you, 
unless someone be born from water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be surprised that I said to you, you must all be born from above, or again, anothen. The wind blows where it wills, and now he starts to say, you see, this is not under human control. Don't be surprised. You see, you see, if I said this to you, was born of flesh is flesh. Nothing wrong with it, but it's going nowhere. You see, um, was born of spirit is spirit. And this begins to open up the teaching. Born of spirit. We are going to show you, read to you, uh, either this section or the next one, uh, text from the fathers of the church about what it means to be born from above. Now, our Lord gives a parable. He's, what is he doing with Nakdimon, Nicodemus? He's trying to bring him along, but he knows one of the wealthiest men in the whole of the country is a devout conservative, and he needs to be loosened up. You know, he needs to be helped. And Jesus loves him. Don't be surprised if I said to you, you must all be born from above, or again, anothen. This delightful, some commentators think you could think of an Aramaic word that would have the same ambiguity, and that John is just translating it into Greek. Um, the wind blows where it will, and you hear its sound, but you do not know whence it comes or where it goes. So it is with everyone who has been born of the Spirit. That is, you know the Holy Spirit's effect in your life, but you can't categorize him. You can't capture him. You can't make a project out of him. He blows where he wills. He's trying to help Nicodemus, and John is writing it to help us as well, not be so rigid. Enter into the freedom of God and trust him. That's what it means to be born of the Spirit. You see? And so that we move with the Holy Spirit. It begins, you see, as it's going to happen right now, you see, um, Nicodemus answers and said, how can these things be? Jesus said, you're a teacher in Israel, and you don't know these things? Amen, amen, I say to you, what we know, we speak. And what we have seen, we testify to. But you do not accept our testimony. You see this, and this is John recording this. Was he there? He could have been there. Remember, this fellow writing this gospel is known to the high priest. I mean, he, he has connections. Um, if I spoke to you of earthly things and you did not believe, how if I speak to you of heavenly things would you, would you believe? And no one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And so now we move into this notion, see, um, of um, the freedom of God. The freedom of God, okay? Um, and so 
uh, our Lord goes on, just as Moses raised up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be raised up, so that everyone believing in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that everyone believing in him may not perish, but have eternal life. I want to read that in another translation. If I can find it. Here's my Bible. Uh, see, this is a treatise on the forbearance, but more than that, the liberality of God, the freedom of God, the generosity of God. Um, there was In Latin, there was a text, Propternimium caritatem, because of his excessive love. Uh, is there a Latin translation? Whoops. Of this text, okay? So, um, and so, our Lord goes on, um, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Part of this process by which plunging into water and hearing the Trinity invoked over you is going to give you divine life. What could the connection possibly be? The connection? The cross. So must the Son of Man be lifted up, you see? This word is used three times in John, and it always means this cross, you see? Um, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world that he might judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So we'll end that introductory section with those words.